You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Be sure to get by there. Take care of that case of the Mondays. You need a little juice? How about some of those dark chocolate espresso beans right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier? They got a lot of great stuff to take care of you. Again, you got Mother's Day coming up here in just a couple weekends, so you always want to take great care of Mama. They can direct you and they can help you with that at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports. Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 bit of Woo! Sports Talk Radio. Jacob Harrison, fresh from A Day on Saturday. Jacob Harrison, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm doing great. It's a mock draft Monday, first of all. So so we got that going on. But but as far as A Day goes, absolutely have fallen in love with this 2021 Crimson Tide defense. They are stacked up front. <laughs> And that was kind of the JV group in some ways out there, Jacob, on Saturday. Not to say that there still wasn't plenty of talent, just a next wave that you sort of weren't counting on until maybe, say, A-Day 2022. But guys like Chris Braswell, guys like Deontay Lawson, uh, they're not waiting on anyone, are they? They're ready to kind of show you what they can do right now. And even with, gosh, well into the double digits, guys out, on Saturday, including several starters with an emphasis on the defensive side of the ball. We kind of joked about that last Friday, Jacob, that, you know what, maybe after hearing Nick Saban on Thursday say that several players were going to be held out of the eight-day scrimmage, maybe it would actually be a good thing if that first-team defense had some guys that either couldn't go or were just being held out for precautionary reasons and give that first-team offense an opportunity to move the ball, but even with Will Anderson out, even with Christian Harris out. You know, that first-team offense still did some nice things, and it, too, was missing John Mechie. It was missing Brian Robinson. It was missing Emil Echior from the offensive line. Uh, and it did some nice things, but it was still, in a lot of ways, was a day was a day for the defense. And Alabama really flashed its depth, really flashed its depth. Uh, and not only on defense. Offensively, you got a Jai Hall working with the second-team offense, looking like the next great Alabama wide receiver at 6'3", and an early enrollee, and a guy that really on Saturday should have had a 100-yard day. Uh, lost a big play, lost an explosive play on an illegal formation penalty there. I think it was in the third quarter. He goes over 100 yards receiving. So uh, good stuff on A-Day 2021. We will go through it with you on the program as we move through the hour of the program we'll get into some other stuff as well you're welcome to join the show we're wide open on a monday guest free 205-342-9904 that is the peterbrook chocolatier studio line if you'd like to jump on board with us we're going to talk alabama football there were a lot of spring games in general on saturday 
and certainly with an emphasis on the Southeastern Conference and the ensuing hype, the ensuing buzz. I'm going to give you an idea of maybe who there's a little too much hype surrounding coming out of spring ball 2021 and maybe maybe a team or two that we aren't loving up enough maybe because there's so many distractions around a particular program involving title nine involving sexual harassment allegations involving potential ncaa sanctions at some point down the road well we already know uh there's been a self-imposed bowl ban for one particular football program in the Southeastern Conference from last season. So we'll get into some of that as well. We'll also recap the weekend that was on the Diamonds at the University of Alabama. Man, how about that Alabama-Alban baseball series? Every game, each of those three hotly contested at the Joe, ultimately The Crimson Tide pulls out a series victory over the rival Tigers. Walk-off fashion in both those wins for Brad Bohannon's club, which now winners of, I guess, what, seven, five of six in SEC play, going back to the sweep of Texas A&M the previous weekend out in College Station, follow that up with a series win over Auburn. That's five of six the last two weekends. Alabama now sits at uh, six and was it seven and eight in Southeastern Conference play. The math, you know, the math doesn't come easy for your trusty host here. Seven and eight and looking at a series coming up this weekend at Kentucky with a seven and eight Wildcats club. So a pretty important matchup on the road. They're all important. In the SEC, don't kid yourself. And really, a weekend within the league from a baseball perspective, it it had super regional feel to it around the SEC. Not to detract from what the series meant to Alabama in Tuscaloosa, but boy, you look at what Tennessee and Vandy had going on up in Knoxville. Tim Corbin, not sure if you saw it, the coach for the Vanderbilt Commodores. They had crowds at Vandy, uh, excuse me, in Knoxville over the weekend at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, by the way, that left Tim Corbin in his post-game press conference yesterday after Vandy took two of three from the rival Vols saying things like, well, I guess the COVID doesn't exist up here in Knoxville. They had big crowds, big crowds. And now Vandy, it looks like, going to be able to open things up a little bit more in Nashville. It just gets bigger every weekend in the SEC. You got Mississippi State traveling to Vandy this weekend for a series. Uh, It's just a lot of fun, the baseball. Softball, Alabama drops two of three to the rival Florida Gators. And, yeah, that's right. It is the rival Florida Gators because when you talk about SEC softball, There's two programs, two premier programs that year in and year out are in the mix for a national championship, and that is Florida and Alabama. Alabama working at a deficit throughout the weekend. No Lexi Kilfoyle. And that hurts Alabama a couple different ways. Obviously, you like to put her in there with Montana Fouts as your two starting arms in SEC play, so she has to miss a start. And then you also miss Lexi Kilfoyle offensively. You consider that Claire Jenkins was out this weekend. That hurts you a couple of different ways, kind of like Kilfoyle. You lose an arm in the circle with Kilfoyle. You lose a bat in the middle of your lineup without Claire Jenkins. You lose a legitimate middle infielder defensively. And you also lose the offensive production. And throughout this season, Alabama softball has never been confused for a team with great depth. Now, top of the line, sort of marquee people in the lineup, yeah, as long as they were able to stay healthy. They haven't been able to do that. Bailey Dowling lost for the season with a knee injury. You bring in Florida for three games, and you're missing multiple key pieces, both from a pitching perspective And offensively. And that's what made, again, the performance by Montana Fouts in the circle over the weekend all the more impressive. You know, you knew Montana Fouts 
was uh, extremely talented, throw hard, gets it up there around 70 miles per hour, can get it to go up, can get it to go down, can curve it, do all those different things. But what she has shown you these last couple weekends, if you didn't already know, is that she is an elite competitor. She wants the ball when all the chips are down like they were over the weekend. And she didn't have the offensive production uh, that Alabama typically would with a full deck of cards from a offensive standpoint. She didn't have the best that she could have defensively behind her right up the middle of that defense because of injuries. But she just keeps her head down and keeps grinding. And she's talented, no doubt about it. And she just thrives in that situation. So it's tough for Alabama softball right now with the injuries and the absences. But one thing you do know, as long as you got fouls with the ball twice in a weekend, you got a chance. 205-342-9904. It is also a winners and losers Monday. It is a Monday for mock drafts, as Jacob Harrison alluded to early in the program. We will ask Jacob Harrison for his mock of the day. How does that sound, Jacob? Do you have a mock of the day that you can sort of uh, present to us as we move throughout the show? I'd love to hear that from you as we get closer. Just a couple weekends away now. Just a couple weekends away from the 2021 NFL Draft. And Mac Jones, for a multitude of reasons, continues to be a lightning rod of discussion. Some you like, some probably not so much. But there he is. Stirring the drink from a conversation perspective, uh, Mac Jones, a year ago, you didn't, uh, you didn't think that would be the case, did you? We're going to head to our first break. When we come back, more Alabama spring game talk when Southern Fried Sports returns, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash alfiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Thanks to a fourth-quarter field goal by Will Reichard, the white team defeated the Crimson team 13-10 in the 2021 Golden Flake 8A football game inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. A total of 47,218 fans were in attendance for the Crimson Tide's final spring session of the season. Quarterback Bryce Young won the Dixie Howell Memorial Award, while defensive lineman Jamarian Latham earned the Dwight Stevenson Award. On offense, Young went 25 for 44 passing with 333 yards and a touchdown, which went to Cameron Latu for 59 yards. Treshawn Holden was the leading receiver, finishing with nine catches for 89 yards. DeMarco Hellams led the defense with 12 tackles, one forced fumble, and a pass breakup, while Jalen Moody recovered a fumble and scored for the Crimson team. I'll have more in a moment. Bad internet is bad for business. We've all been there. Lagging video chats, slow downloads. Oh, come on! It's just not a good look. Instead, call Ceasefire Business. Our local experts deliver gigabit speeds backed by thousands of miles of fiber for the fastest, most reliable internet around. Period. No excuses, no apologies. Just fiber-fast internet that works. Ceasefire Business. See how our fiber solutions can help power your success at ceasefirebusiness.com. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance on the network at 6 p.m. Central. We'll be hosting the show live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa, and we'll be joined during the hour by former Crimson Tide quarterback and current ESPN analyst Greg McElroy, as well as baseball coach Brad Bohannon. The show begins at 6 p.m., and we'll be streaming live as well. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by C Spire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today 73. For tonight, fair with a low at 49. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 74. And for Wednesday, breezy and much cooler. The sky mostly sunny. Wednesday's high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. 
Washington football team, as it is known these days, announces his retirement from the National Football League. Of course, Alex Smith with just a comeback for all time. Maybe the most incredible return from a catastrophic type injury as I've ever seen, certainly in the National Football League, and one that rivals any I've ever, ever recall in sports history. I mean, it's just amazing that he came back and not only made a roster, but started some games in the 2020 season. Alex Smith announces he has retired from the NFL. Here's the thing, though, Jacob. I can see Urban, his old college coach, telling him, look, stay warm, okay? We're going to see how things shake out down in Jacksonville. And wouldn't be a bad mentor, would he? For uh, young Trevor Lawrence, I would think. Maybe the price tag a little high. Jags have it to spend, though, uh, with where Alex is at in his career, even if you talk about the veteran minimum. But uh, maybe Alex has decided, look, nothing else to prove, and there certainly isn't. Just to do what he did, just to get to that point of being able to even participate in an NFL practice, let alone end up starting some games uh, one of the darndest things I think I've I've ever seen. Yeah, no doubt about that. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Let's go there right now where we have Corey on hold for us on a Monday morning. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Travis. How about you? Cannot complain, sir. Well, you know, going with this Florida series, I was happy that Alabama was able to get the win yesterday, but I know Alabama wanted to win the series, but I think when you combine the injuries, the errors, and all that, I think it was too much for Alabama to overcome. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I talked about it in the the first segment. I mean, when you consider the missing pieces for this team over the weekend, uh, if I told you on Thursday this was going to be the setup for the weekend – you probably would have taken one game. You you would have said one game is is uh, I'll take that uh, because it, it's just again not a team deep with SEC caliber starters right now. That's not to say some of the folks, especially some of the younger players that are being put in that spot right now in a year or two, may not prove to be of that caliber. It's just that you're asking a lot, not only in terms of offensively, uh, but when you're asking a, a reserve third baseman to play shortstop in the Southeastern Conference, that's tough, Corey, as you know. And so, you know, I, I wasn't surprised by some of those struggles. Um, again, give Montana Fouts a lot of credit. She seemed to thrive under it. She seemed to embrace the, the, uh, the adversity that she knew her team was dealing with and uh, yeah, I thought yesterday was big, if nothing else, for national seeding, uh, Corey, when you talk about that top eight potentially. And uh, you didn't need to get swept. Uh, to, to get a game, I think, still keeps you in pretty good shape there, I would think. So you think Alabama can still make it to Oklahoma City with the way the team is in shape-wise? Right now, this team, I, I yeah. think it'll be tough. I, I think that, again, as I said earlier, as long as you got Montana with the ball in a – three-game scenario and she gets it twice and can maybe close in a third game, you still have a chance. Uh, but it, it, it's 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 incredibly tougher right now. What, what they have to become and what they've become more and more, especially since Dowling went out, is a team that's got to put the ball in play 
and utilize the speed. Got to utilize Mac. Got to utilize Brown. KB sides. Tal can run pretty well. You know, they've got to be able to take extra bases and steal some extra outs uh, offensively because they're just not they're not the power team that they've had in some instances in the past. And, uh, you know, with Kilfoyle out, especially over the weekend and Dowling out, uh, you know, once you get beyond Hempel and Tau, it's, it's not a team that's going to knock down a lot of fences, right? Do we even know what Kilfoyle's injury really was? You know, I haven't heard for sure, and and Murph typically doesn't go in depth on those situations uh, in, in terms of press opportunities. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with uh, with uh, Kilfoyle. Um, as far as moving forward, I think third place in the in the, in the uh, conference is probably the best we'll probably go, is because. If Florida won the series over us, and Arkansas is probably going to run away with the top spot. And then um, I think if we can take two, two as far as from the conference spot, take two out of three from Georgia, maybe sweep Ole Miss if we, if we can, or at yeah. least take two out, of three, two out of three from Ole Miss. And then, you know, this week we got Southern Miss, we should beat them. And then maybe split with, with Louisiana. And then go mm-hmm. into the SEC tournament and do well there. We can get a top eight seed, but yeah, um, the, the, it's all going to come down with these last eight games of how you perform. And Alabama's got a lot of quality wins under the belt. It's just can we not lose any more players, and can we right. find a way to manufacture runs as best we can and not make defensive mistakes with who we have left. Yeah, the, the, the concern I had for Alabama really before all these more recent absences was, you know, could they avoid giving away extra bases and extra outs defensively more so than offensively? But now you, you do have to worry offensively too because with each of these players that goes out, it gives you less and less of an ability to protect hitters like Bailey Hempel, you know, I mean, you can, if you're an opposing pitcher now, especially with each of these players going out of the lineup, you're going to be even more willing to just pitch around her and put her on base and, you know, not give her opportunities to swing the bat like she would like. And I think for what she's done this year, offensively, considering she's had to catch this season is she's, she's just continued to be amazing. Hey, Corey, we appreciate the phone call, my friend. Good talk to you, Travis. Roll time. There he goes. Corey checking in on a Monday morning. Let's go back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now where we have Jeff waiting for us, I believe. Jeff, how you doing? What's going on, Travis? Hanging in there, my man. Just wanted to uh, just, just wanted to say uh, uh, if you had uh, Rachel Lawson in your SEC fantasy uh, softball, Jake Lee, you won this weekend. Murphy and uh, Lawson now tied for the league lead in Jackson. <laughs> Jeff, we appreciate you keeping track of that. The uh, well, the softball well, uh, coach ejections yeah, for us. Yeah, well, they know? got well, they, they committed five errors on Saturday and played terrible. They hadn't played good since they took two out of three from Alabama, and they're not hitting right now. And guy that covers them in Lexington said it was building up. They hadn't played good the last few weeks, and he just building. And there was a call in the game. It was a foul tip, and the, and the umpire wouldn't go out and. And to ask for help, so he just called strike three and that kind of set her, set her blow blower stack. But I just want to ask you one, <laughs> one, one quick thing about football recruiting. Kentucky had a big weekend this weekend. They got the Wade twins out of Spring Hill in my neck of the woods up here, uh, quarterback and linebacker, won a state championship. They also got a kid, too, and I know, you know what I'm talking about, kid in Indiana. That offensive lineman, offensive off. tackle, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we offered him in seventh grade. He was 400 pounds at the time, or 400 pounds. He lost all of his weight at a trainer. Got down to 300 pounds. He's the number two player in Indiana. And he, uh, beat, he, uh, he beat out Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. It's the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. They beat out a lineman for, from those three schools. Uh, Jogger Burton, Mr. Football, Kentucky also committed to Kentucky. So I, I just wanted to ask you, I know I know people around the SEC don't think Mark Stevens is a very good coach. And that's okay. He doesn't get any respect. It's okay. It's all right with, with, with being Kentucky fans. There's still people down here, but believe that Tennessee and Vanville are here at Kentucky football right now. So that, 
matter because no matter what Stoops does, he gets no respect. You know, like you said, all he's got to do is win football games, go to bowl games, ain't got to do nothing else. You know, so it's just like an Alabama basketball. All you got to do is go to the NCAA tournament, ain't got to do nothing else. Just like that. So, you know, so I know he's not very good, and I know our recruitment's not very good right now. He's got three big commitments, and I know that Goodwin's probably, he probably wasn't good enough for Alabama. You think, you think so? He probably wasn't good enough. So no, I think, I think right. Keontae Goodwin was good enough for a lot of people. And okay. when you I, look I at the, know. I just didn't know. So I didn't know. I, yeah, I didn't no, he's he's legit. He's okay, a legit I, offensive lineman. And I'm sure Yager Bird wasn't good enough either because he picked Kentucky too. I'm sure he wasn't good enough for Alabama either. And he picked <laughs> stuff but everything. But uh, but no, I know he's not very good. I, I know you. I, I know you probably don't think he's doing doing a very good job of things. But you know, one day, one day, Travis, in my lifetime, I hope we do win this. He sees because because your buddy Dude Yarman says that hell would freeze over. <laughs> You uh, you, you fired up for the Derby here in a couple weekends? Uh, no, nah, I mean, I follow horse racing. I follow horse racing. I don't follow it very much. I watch it. But I don't really mm-hmm. follow it, you know, too often close. I know it's going to be a big deal this year. There's going to be a lot more fans and, and things like uh-huh. that. So it's going to be good for the state of Kentucky. But also volleyball last night, West Kentucky played Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. And Kentucky won. They Everyone went away with the final four in that. So we had a pretty good Pretty good week weekend as basically, but I know football won't ever match up to of course won't ever match up to Alabama in football or maybe Georgia and Florida, but you know, one day hopefully we can win the SEC to at least get to Atlanta. One guy down here don't think we'll ever do it. So, you know, but one day maybe we'll we'll win it. And I'm gonna ask Drew the Army what the forecast what the weather forecast for hell is for the next two weeks when they do win it. <laughs> what temperatures gonna be, the high and low temperatures. I'm gonna ask what if hell is frozen over yet. You can be a Jacksonville State fan. They got a playoff game coming up, I guess, what, this weekend. There goes Jeff. Jeff, he, uh, he hits us with that Kentucky drive-by, you know. He hits us. It's a big blue drive-by with Jeff. That's what we ought to call that this segment. We get that sponsored. Nah, man. Mark Stoops got a, right now a top 10 recruiting class for 2022 coming off that big weekend. And Keontae Goodwin is a big part of that from the weekend, the big offensive lineman, the top 100. I call that area up there, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, where Stoops is you know, trying to do a lot of his big uh, – I call it Stoops, uh, Stoopsvania instead of Pennsylvania, Ohio. I mean, that's, that's Stoops' backyard up there, especially with uh, the roots there in uh, Ohio, I guess. Hey, let's go back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now at 205 342 9904, I believe we have Tom on hold on a Monday morning. Tom, how are you? Trav, how's it going, my friend? It's going good, Tom. Hope you're well. Big blue drive-by. I like it. The big blue drive-by. We got it now, man. We got. Yeah, we just got to come up I, with I, a yeah, sponsor I like for it. that. I, I really like it. <laughs> the title. Jeff anyway. brings it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff's all right. Yeah, man. Uh I tell you what, uh, I, I got a question for you. Uh, it's, it's been kind of a thing for me this year with a uh, softball team, uh-huh. uh, and uh, I didn't get to ask uh, uh, Karen Johns this, but uh, you know, I wonder: do we suffer on that team? This is a question, not an opinion. Uh, do we suffer that we don't have a like hitting coach per se on our team? I noticed that others have that position on, on their staff, and I just mm-hmm. wonder: do do we suffer a little bit as far as run production by not having a bona fide hitting coach? You know, I think it's a fair question. I think it also goes back to not having that extra assistant that we've talked about even in the last week or so for, say, like baseball and softball where they could really use 
um, that third full-time assistant. And so uh, I think there are some cases where that can be an issue. Now, I think also uh, if you recruit great hitters and, 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 you know, the, they kind of live up to that, then no one really wants to talk about a hitting coach. But when you don't sort of meet that standard or you have some injuries like this team has had and uh, you're coming up short from that perspective, uh, that's when the hitting coach narrative sort of becomes very popular. And so I, I think for Alabama right now, it's just it's more about what they've got to work with from a lineup perspective. You know, it was a situation where when Skylar Wallace left, especially, you know, before the season, uh, you were you were down a big bat. And so then you get into a situation where, you know, Alexi Kilfoyle needs to be more of a two-way player for you, not just a pitcher, but a big part of the middle of your lineup. And she's out this past weekend. Claire Jenkins is out. So, um, you know, they've had some issues with health throughout the season, Bailey Dowling being out for the year. Um, they they just aren't in a position right now roster-wise where they can plug and play with a, a really comparable option when they lose one of their top seven or eight bats. So uh, it's a tough spot, you know, and um, I, I don't – I personally don't buy as much into the – to the hitting coach perspective, because when it comes to fast pitch softball, I've had the benefit in a previous, now look, this was 25, 30 years ago. Okay. I actually played a good bit of fast pitch softball and played enough where I went against guys from New Zealand, Canada, Australia, guys that could throw it upper seventies from 46 feet. And my experience with hitting in fast pitch softball was and pops played forever uh, you know, when I was young and growing up was there's really three things to hitting in fast pitch softball. You get in, you spread out because you don't have time to do much with, you know, your, your lower body. It, it's so quick. Um, you spread out, you, you look at one thing on the pitcher. You look at the ball side hip because no matter what a pitcher does pre pitch, the ball has to come from that hip. So you don't look at anything else except the right or left hip. And then to have success, you've got to be willing to think more about hitting the ball the opposite field. Yeah, you can't go up there thinking you're going to pull the ball much because, first of all, the velocity and the quick nature of the the pitch, it, it doesn't allow – it doesn't afford you that. Um, and so it, it's it, – it's, it's tough to do. It's tough to hit the ball in fast pitch softball. But in terms of your approach, uh, it, it really comes down to just a couple of three things. And, you know, that's that's what I see with Alabama hitters right now. And especially when you're asking players to give you more at bats in SEC play than you would prefer. Um, you know, maybe they're a little anxious. Maybe they're, you know, just trying to do too much. Uh, but you know, the, the, the best hitters like Bailey Hempel yesterday, there was a ball down and away from her. She took the ball to right field for a double, you know, that was just a good approach. And, uh, and I'm sure Murph is, I'm sure Murph and Allie and that staff, they're, they're reinforcing this every day. It's just, I think for me anyway, right now for Alabama softball, it's more about what they got to work with in their lineup. So, but you know. I have no, I have no doubt that if they could get that extra full time assistant uh, in both baseball and softball, it could make a big difference. I have no doubt about that. And I'm, and I know Murph uh, and, and other coaches in the SEC and the Power Fives that really put emphasis on sports like baseball and softball. They they push for it hard. They just haven't been able to get it through to this point. So is, is that position is not open. Um, well, it could be, but here's the thing. Like when you've got Murph staff, the way he's got it set, um, you know, he's got Allie that, that, uh, you know, has been with him forever. Um, mm-hmm. Allie is tremendous in terms of recruiting, in terms of fostering the team dynamic that Murph wants and any coach would want. Murph has a background in hitting, 
I, I can tell you that Murph knows hitting. And so that, that's not an issue for Murph. Um, and, and then of course, uh, Stephanie Van Brakel pro throw handles the pitching. Um, does good. so yeah, well, all, of so, them, all of them do good. I, I just, I didn't realize that they were limited to yeah, uh, the number. They're, they're limited to, yeah, the, the, and the I, and staff, I'm, not they need. I'm not advocating getting rid of anybody to get a right. coach right. or anything like that. I just, my curiosity, uh, sometimes, uh, I just wonder if we would benefit from a hitting coach, and and I think your answer is yes. If if we could, you know, had the uh, uh, opening. <laughs> yeah, you know, we talked about this a week or so ago. How in basketball you have thirteen, fourteen players on a roster, but you have three full time assistants to go along with the head coach. In mm-hmm. softball and baseball, you could have a roster thirty, forty players. And you've got two full-time assistants to go with the head coach, you know? So that, the numbers there tell you the disparity that you're working with right now uh, in sports like baseball and softball. Hey, Tom, we got to get to this break. Thanks, Trav. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the call, Tom. We always appreciate hearing from you. Going to step aside to a quick break. We come back. More of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. Optimism aplenty coming out of SEC spring games over the weekend, right? Auburn Tank Bigsby doing Tank Bigsby things. I think LSU, though, maybe if it's possible for LSU to be under the radar, Maybe the most under-the-radar team right now in the SEC. And not so much because people don't understand or realize how talented that roster still is, but because of all the other stuff that's going on right now, that's swirling, that is hovering above not only that football team, but that athletic department in general. But don't be fooled, man. That's a team with a lot of dudes still. Both lines of scrimmage look to be really good. Bring back all five offensive line starters from a year ago. Defensively benefiting from some super senior returns and also a true freshman that is grabbing headlines along that defensive front. That LSU defense needs a couple playmakers more so in the middle at defensive tackle, interior defensive line, and then at the linebacker position, especially with uh, Jabril Cox, the grad transfer who came in from North Dakota State, moving on to the National Football League. But they've got plenty still down there from a talent perspective. And Miles Brennan coming back from injury at quarterback to compete with Max Johnson there. Kayshawn Butte at wide receiver, Ty Davis-Price, John Emery Jr. at running back. Man, they got plenty of guys. Corner, Eli Ricks, Derek Stingley Jr. They're still plenty good enough. Still plenty good enough 
terms of talent, the challenge, not only in the SEC West, but in the conference in general and even on the national scene. John Trey Kirkland added to that optimism over the weekend, 16 catches, 209, and two TDs. So there you go. LSU. You're going to hear again. You're going to hear so much about Georgia, and you're going to hear a lot about Alabama still. Alabama showed you on Saturday. Here's the thing about Saturday that struck me for Alabama. How many teams in college football at the Power Five level, not just in general, not just sort of group of five fodder or non-conference fodder, but Power Five legitimate programs, would you still take Alabama over with the roster it had available on Saturday? With everybody that was out after what you saw, how many teams at the Power Five level would you like their chances to beat Alabama with just the roster Alabama put out there Saturday? Probably can't count them on more on a a hand, a single hand, two or three maybe. And that was without Christian Harris, Will Anderson, Emil Echior, John Metchie, Brian Robinson, Malachi Moore. Just go down the list. Fedarian Mathis. A lot of guys out and very, very impressive still. I thought anyway, uh, when you consider the depth there that Alabama put on display in the 2021 8 day game. Really like the versatility of the backs too because you wonder about the passing game with the backs, uh, with Najee Harris moving on the NFL, and Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams. Good spring for Roydell Williams, right? Both those guys, strong springs and showed you they can catch it. You had tight ends and running backs Saturday on both teams combined for 271 receiving yards. Jalil Billingsley, Cameron Latu. Good day. Good day to be a running back and a tight end on Saturday at Alabama. Let's head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. Check in with JR on a Monday. JR, how you doing? Hey, good morning. How you doing, Travis? Good, sir. You spiked my interest a little when you mentioned something about LSU and they still, you know, uh, are pretty not totally intact, but uh, you know, still got a lot of good players. And I was just wondering, have they had a lot of people like, in the portal, you know, because all the stuff swirling around LSU, you'd think they would have, you know, maybe considered going somewhere else. Some of the well, they they had Eric Gilbert, you know, the standout freshman tight end that actually had gone into the portal and announced that he was headed to Florida. Uh, he since reversed course on that, and now there seems to be a pretty strong feeling that he will end up back at LSU. So. Yeah. Really? You, know, you add Eric Gilbert to that list of talent that I outlined there just a few moments ago, and that's another reason to feel good about LSU if, in fact, he does return to LSU and his his eligibility status remains unchanged. Well, something I'm not totally familiar with is the portal and you know, all the details about it. Is, uh, is there a time frame that you can be in the portal, or can you just do it any time? I think you can, uh, you know, the 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 portal is kind of like uh, the portal is kind of like Waffle House, twenty four seven, three sixty five. Jr. Anytime, <laughs> all right, anytime well, all right. Get then. smothered, covered, and smothered, jumped, covered, and you can do it. Yeah, jumped, oh, okay. You can do it in the transfer portal. I think that yellow glow, just like the one at the Waffle House, is always nice and welcoming there in the old transfer portal. Yeah, well, that's funny. That's funny. Well, I was wondering about that because I said, you know, heard a lot about it, but not a, not everything about it. And that was one thing that was kind of questioning me. And also, I was wondering, you know, like why LSU hadn't had more people in the portal. It was just kind of curious to me. I guess they do yeah, have something. They, they've had opt outs. You know, they had that that impacted them obviously for 2020. Tyler Shelvin, the big defensive lineman, Jamar Chase opted out towards the end of the season. Uh, Terrace Marshall well, that was Jr. Just shut of it COVID, down. Right? Yeah, yeah. That that was that was some COVID stuff. But no, in terms of uh, just your typical transfer portal 
sort of movement. They they haven't been especially hit by it. Uh, it's amazing to me that they were able to hold it intact that much. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, appreciate it, Travis. Uh, you answered my primary question. I will re- real mention quickly that I, I went to the A-Day game, and I enjoyed it. It was, uh, uh-huh. it was very, very well played. I, I, I was impressed with a lot of things that I saw. I even was impressed with uh, Saban. I just feel like he ought to have on a helmet and some pads. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he was kind of like the. It was kind of like a three ring circus in a good way, and he was the. Uh, uh, he was the maestro of the whole thing, you know, out there. He was. <laughs> yeah. He was. He was the host, and he did a. He did a fun job of it. You watch the. Go back and watch the broadcast on ESPN. Uh, that was really good stuff with Herb Street and Galloway down on the field. They had fun and, with it, too, didn't they? Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, no doubt. Well, I haven't seen that. I'll have to try to look that up. But yeah, uh, I've heard I've heard I've fun. heard that it was that it, it was a lot of fun with everybody. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. But all righty, yep. Travis, appreciate it. Uh, it's Monday morning. Maybe I'll get in another call this week with you. Let's do it. All right, Jr. Appreciate Take it care. as always. There he goes, Jr. On a Monday morning, we're going to do our final break. When we come back. We'll put a wrap on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. The high today 73 for tonight fair with a low at 49. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 74. And for Wednesday, breezy and much cooler. The sky mostly sunny. Wednesday's high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Levon unfortunately passed away on this day back in 2012. Saw Levon on the uh, old silver screen from time to time as well. Heck of an effort. If you're old enough like yours truly to remember Coal Miner's daughter featuring Sissy Spacek in the role of Loretta Lynn. Uh, Levon played uh, the father of Loretta Lynn and Coal Miner's daughter. Really good. Good on the acting front as well. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to jump on board with us in the final few moments of today's program, you are more than welcome to do so. The quarterback position in the Southeastern Conference after spring games over the weekend. I think LSU is going to continue to be very intriguing with Brennan and Max Johnson. JT Daniels obviously has that situation in Athens, Georgia, daddy under lock for the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Will Rogers over at Mississippi state would be my guess to be the starter in year two under Mike Leach in Starkville. What about in Tuscaloosa? We never really got, or we haven't to this point anyway, we didn't get the intrigue that you typically get surrounding a quarterback competition. Just never really materialized over 15 practices. Pretty much Bryce Young going in, and after Bryce Young threw for 333 yards and a touchdown and had another dropped, still Bryce Young, very much so as the anticipated successor to Mac Jones. Didn't have the explosive plays in the passing game. Well, duh, right? You finally work through that quartet of Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs III, Jalen Waddell, 
Devontae Smith. You didn't have John Mechie out there on Saturday. So as we talked about earlier in the program, really busy afternoon for both offenses in terms of tight ends and also running backs. Now, Paul Tyson and Braxton Barker, they were smart. They had a Jai Hall on their roster, and they made good use of him. And a Jai, a Jai Hall sent a strong message that uh, when it comes to the top three in the rotation, okay, John Mechie's at the top. Slade Bolden's going to be in that mix from the slot. But a Jai Hall, when you get into sort of Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden, Xavier Williams' neighborhood, maybe Tyu Jones-Bell, Ajaya Hall let you know that uh, I'm going to be there too. Kind of a downer that we didn't get to see Ja'Cory Brooks, Christian Leary. They were among the several players that were out. The early enrollee wide receivers didn't get to see them. And also Jalen Milrow. Really wanted to see Jalen Milrow at the quarterback position because you continue to get the vibe that there will be competition at the quarterback position in advance of the 2021 season, but it's likely to involve that number two spot more than the starting job. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports, the lunch whistle on this Monday. How about some Southern Ale House? Right out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. If you haven't already, give Southern Ale House a follow on the social media I saw on Facebook just before the start of the show, and it distracted me to the point where I had to regroup. They've got a fried pork tenderloin out there at Southern Ale House today with some homemade brown gravy on it over a heavenly, cloud-like bed of fresh mashed potatoes. They've got that for you today at Southern Ale House among the specials. At SAH, Southern Ale House, eat Southern, drink Southern, be Southern at Southern Ale House. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the program. And until 11 a.m. on Tuesday, have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.